Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Will, your premier ag tire and will provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. So, Chip, there's been a, had a pretty decent week this week. You know, if we're finished up Thursday, it looks like there was some follow through buying that, that really brought up uh, all the markets across the board. But more importantly, it seemed like uh, feels like we're going to maybe end on a positive note this week. That is right. Let's hope we can hold this together on Friday. And, and I think if we do have a nice, strong weekly close, one of the highest closes in, in uh, several of these markets uh, in six weeks or more, uh, that should spur some uh, additional fund short covering. And you know, it has a lot of people scratching their heads. And you know, there's a there's an old saying: you just have to follow the price and the price will tell you, right? There's a lot of people saying, Oh, it's acreage and supply and, you know, phase one trade deal may be in jeopardy. And, and that's all true. Uh, and there's not a real great fundamental reason for rally, but yet we still are. And, um, you know, so you got to just follow price. And right now price says, Hey, we, uh, we're at the highest level in, in six weeks. The funds still have big short positions and, some of these commodities, in particular corn and soy meal, and, uh, you know, as they're getting out of that, uh, they started that last week, you know, at month end of May, and now they're still in that mode um, the first few days of June, and that bodes well, and uh, we could have a little further upside here in spite of, you know, what's mostly uh, bearish fundamental news, so uh, it has to the pure fundamental traders out there scratching their head a little bit saying, hey, what's changed? We're all bearish. Why are we rallying? But sometimes that's why moves like this happen, too. Yeah. Okay. So now if you take a look at um, what's going on over in the cattle market, it looks like um, this report I'm reading here this morning looks like they were about 5,000 heads short of where they were last year as far as slaughter goes. So looks like the cattle market as far as the getting stuff through the funnel it is starting to kind of catch up a little bit. As you take a look at the cattle market, what are your thoughts there with uh, the changes in, in the, the slaughter numbers? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That's, that's both uh, kind of good news and bad news rolled into one, right? I mean, yeah. we're kind of getting back to normal. And as you said, we're, you know, we're getting things moved through the funnel. Uh, not quite uh, like it was a year ago, but we're really close. Um, Unfortunately, with that means, um, supplies are increasing. Box beef has, has really come uh, sharply lower here in the last two weeks. Uh, you know, the pork cutout um, and some of the pork products have, have really fallen off in a massive way. And so that produces a little bit of price pressure on the futures. Cash cattle have come down some, I should say some, uh, a lot, 10-plus dollars probably uh, in a week, maybe in some areas as much as $15 and um, that's put a little bit of pressure on uh, especially the front end of the cattle market in here. But June cattle, um, you know, have, uh, what, uh, two and a half, uh, three weeks left to go here. 
and they're still uh, well under ten bucks under where the most recent cash trade is this week. Um, so that's going to be a little bit of a of a supporting factor uh, in the June cattle, but um, it, it's really unprecedented uh, territory here, and that's what the market's struggling with. And you're seeing some really whippy, volatile trading ranges in here because of that. We've never really faced that where we lose packing plant capacity and, you know, pork and beef prices go screaming higher and no one knows really how to trade that necessarily. But we are slowly starting to get back uh, to quote-unquote normal uh, levels here and that's a good sign for the industry but it still means there's probably some, you know, rough spots ahead here because, uh, Especially on the on the pork side, on the hog side of the equation, we had some issues with that oversupply issues even before this uh, coronavirus issue and the packing plant issues. So uh, we're kind of back to that being front and center. We, uh, uh, you know, I guess maybe one of the good things, um, although it's been very painful, I'm not trying to overshadow that uh, on the pork side has been a little bit of liquidation. We really kind of needed that. We were oversupplied. We just continued on about a 3 to 4% uh, increasing, um, you know, production standpoint for years and years in the pork industry. And uh, this, uh, you know, if there is one bright spot, is we've, you know, liquidated some of that supply. And it's been painful doing it, but it's kind of what the market needed, you know, when you get an oversupply situation, textbook uh, economics tell you prices go low enough to shut production down, and, and that's painful, but it's, uh, you know, I think we we did at least a pretty healthy round of that on the, on the uh, hog side equation. Yep. So on the hog side, too, this is, I have, this is the first report I've seen in a while. I mean, they, they kind of sporadically pop up, but it looks like... Uh, this African swine fever in China has not subsided. Um, there's a new report out um, that shows there's an operation in the Yuan uh, province that had 102 pigs that all tested positive for swine fever. So it shows you that they have not got that under control in China. So I guess uh, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to buying. Hopefully, if this, <laughs> this phase one thing ever works out, China will buy some pigs from us in, in a greater volume. Yeah, they've been not not recently. Last couple couple of weeks, they backed up a little bit. But prior to that, for the better part of four months now, uh, they've been massive buyers of, yeah. of U.S. pork products. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And then I saw that news this morning. Um, you know, I don't think they ever fully got that under control. It's, the news has kind of been overshadowed a little bit uh, with some of the other things going on. But uh, they're still fighting that uh, apparently. So. You know, it's it's some of the export situation has been kind of a tit for tat type of a thing with uh, an escalation of this war of words, and you know that's one one avenue they have to retaliate a little bit is some net cancellations or some threats that we're not going to buy, you know, U.S. products, and they have backed away on the pork side for a couple weeks, and they bought some more expensive beans uh, a week ago out of Brazil than what we have here and yeah I think they're just kind of you know warning shots counter counter jabs if you want to call it that but they, they continue to be a buyer they were there in a light amount on the pork side this week not to the massive numbers that we've seen in weeks past but they were still there on the on the buy side 
over there uh, on the bean side. They bought a few cargoes of, of beans here this week. So quietly, they continue to, to buy our products, even though you know they they threaten and insinuate that they won't. They're they're still buying them, which is a good sign right now. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at the wheat market right now um, in Europe, Fran- uh, France, especially um, the uh, the French Agramir, which is their USDA, I guess. Uh, talk. They're they're about twenty four points off from where they were last year, as far as the. Uh, quality of the of the wheat crop goes and what that looks like they're biting drought and a bunch of other things they had too much rain now they got drought and everything else mixed into it so they've had both extremes and neither one of them worked out very well for them so i guess as you look at what's going on in wheat with all the stuff that's happened wheat seems to be one of those ones that has had some some light shown on it that has a little better shot of, of rallies when everything else was going the opposite direction so Let's talk about the wheat market a little bit, what you see happening there, especially going into this uh, as wheat harvest is kind of underway here in the U.S. Yeah, it, um, it's, wheat is such a, it always has been, but even more so here today, a, a world market. And, and in some cases, it, uh, it is more important what's happening in other parts of the world than, <clears throat> than here. And as you mentioned, you know, parts of Europe, uh, France, even into uh, parts of Russia and Ukraine have been uh, really fighting some hot, dry weather off and on through the growing season. Um, the market seems um, probably the main thing that drives wheat here recently uh, has been one eye on um, those European and Russian wheat prices. And as those go, our futures market follows. So we've seen a little uptick in, a, in especially Russian wheat prices. Um, and that's put a little support underneath the wheat market. Harvest has started. There's some early reports that maybe yields aren't quite as good as expected. I don't know if that's a huge shock because of uh, a couple things. Now, they're not up into Oklahoma, Kansas yet uh, in, in full scale, and um, that's going to be what drives us here. But, uh, you know, some freeze events, uh, parts of Oklahoma, Kansas been super hot, super dry here recently. And um, normally this is a time of year where wheat prices kind of slump, you know, your normal harvest type uh, low but um, if we continue this harvest north uh, over the next two three weeks and, and get some disappointing yield results out of Oklahoma and Kansas um, you could have a, the, the makings and you've already seen a nice bounce off the lows and so the funds have kind of reset they had a big long position built up they got out of that in anticipation of all this you know harvest low supply glut um, coming but if European and Russian prices hold steady and firm up, and our, um, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas wheat yields are disappointing, you could have a, a pretty um, healthy correction up because it, it's not normal. And when the market doesn't uh, follow its normal seasonal pattern, you know, it's supposed to slump into harvest. And if you start rallying at harvest, it can become a violent reaction and feed on itself. So, that's something to watch for. I like the action of the wheat market here recently. Kind of held some critical support areas a couple weeks ago and started rallying again. And if we can close this week strong, uh, like like corn and beans and some of our other um, you know grain markets, I think that bodes well for some additional fund buying. But you know, again, all eyes are going to be on uh, those European and Russian cash wheat prices as well as 
you know, the uh, particularly the, the Kansas. I don't, I don't want to overshadow Oklahoma, but when it comes to wheat, uh, Kansas drives us. And uh, when they get that harvest started there, if it becomes uh, a disappointing yield environment, you really could throw some fuel on a bullish fire in the, in the wheat market here. Yep. All right, let's talk about the outside markets here a little bit. Let's jump into oil. Uh, OPEC is expected to extend production cuts through July, uh, according to Bloomberg. And uh, lawmakers are now are, are rattling their, their sabers saying China should buy some oil from the U.S. So I guess if you take a look at what's going on in the oil market as countries open back up and uh, the U.S. and other places start to open up more and more, um, actual demand for oil is going to start I mean it's it's been parabolic you know I mean it's just been taken off since over the last couple of months so I guess as you look at what's going on with the uh, with the oil market I got to feel like there's going to be some some rise in um, oil prices which is going to obviously influence the ethanol price yeah and it, and it has already started in that uh, bouncing in um, demand on the gasoline side is spilled over and uh, I think um, you know really seen some better demand on the ethanol side than what has been expected right you got some plants that are coming back online uh, full speed you know that have been at 60 65 percent uh, production going back to 100 percent now and um, it's been a nice a nice balance you actually have crude oil prices kind of up uh, at the very bottom edge of the of the gap that we um, left when we broke down after the global lockdowns, <clears throat> and, uh, and and the market's working. You know, that's, that is one market that is allowed to work, so to speak. Even though there's you know some the the OPEC cartel and and production uh, you know manipulation, but prices got low enough to shut some oil production down and slow that down, and now demand's coming back and. And so that's that's a good sign. Uh, you know, we're back up in the mid thirties. I don't I don't necessarily see crude oil going back to sixty dollars, but if it can stabilize here in the you know say twenty eight to forty dollar range, I think that's probably a very healthy spot to be um, longer term. So let's hope we can hold that stability. I think the other thing I probably should have mentioned um, on the grain side is um, you know. Crude oil, number one, obviously that's helped stabilize things, but the dollar's had a big drop here in the last uh, couple of weeks, and I think uh, that has, more than anything, helped put a little bit of life back um, into our grain markets. Um, and so, you know, if that's the start of a bigger trend where we're going to see some pressure on the dollar, I think the other thing kind of that relates to that is the Brazilian currency has had a sharp, sharp rally against the U.S. dollar. Uh, that makes us more competitive, um, and, and that, the, the dollar and currency movements, may be the biggest driver of this rally that we've seen started uh, on uh, corn and beans and even wheat. And if that continues, that's going to be uh, something friendly. You know, for, forget the, the weather and production for a minute. If you're going to have a big uh, kind of recalculation or rebalancing of the, of the currency market and the U.S. dollar, and, and that move is lower for the dollar, that's going to breathe some some life back into the commodity sector. It's going to help everything. It's going to help crude oil. It's going to help, you know, our export situations. It's certainly going to help drive some funds out of their short uh, grain positions, corn and, and wheat and, uh, and soy meal. And so 
that's uh, that's something to really keep an eye on because that might be the biggest driver of all going forward and, and overshadow what our crop size is even to, to a, a big extent. So that's been uh, probably the biggest development of the last couple of weeks here is a, a pretty healthy correction lower in the dollar, and that's really given us a little bit of little bit of wind in our back in the commodity sector. Yep, absolutely. Well, good stuff as normal, Chip. If folks want to reach out to you and get your uh, get your opinion on what's going on, or also maybe just uh, talk to you about how to start that plan or adjust the plan with all the stuff we have going on, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just uh, give us a call at the office. That's 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. It's, uh, you know, should be front and center. It's, uh a marketing plan, a total risk management plan, it's uh, it's more critical than ever, obviously. So uh, just give us a call. We'd love to chat with you. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs that I have out. Just got one done written, written writing one here uh, the other about last week or so. So there should be a freshman out there getting ready to put the finishing touches on the, uh, on the Pillar 2, starting that one about the, the Ag Equipment Sales Department and what I what I see there should be there. Also, uh, check out the Global Ag Network and all the great podcasters there. And uh, make sure you check out TractorZoom.com. If you're uh, if you're in the equipment business and you're looking for a good way to, to track and see what's going on in the auction market, uh, what's coming up and what stuff, what, what things have looked like in the past, make sure you check that out. Uh, TractorZoom.com and also IronComps.com. Make sure you check those, those two websites out. And... Uh, Last but not least, um, you know, it's uh, harvest time right now, folks. I know a lot of people are out running around, just got done planting. So uh, safety is critical right now, folks. So just uh, keep your head on your shoulders, take your time, and uh, don't forget to be safe. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go be smart, folks. Out. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher, time and time again. Through the years, you'll find us here. Moving higher.